0: Welcome to Lawler Out Loud and thank you for listening. I'm your host Christy Lawler and this podcast focuses on highlighting the amazing men and women that make a difference in our world and we hope to prove that every single person has the power to make a difference and make an impact. Today's guest is Andrew Fitzgerald. So first let me thank you Andrew for joining us today to share your story and your background and Uh, your experiences in our business.
1: Thanks very much Christy I'm a long-time listener but a first-time caller.
0: (laughs) I like (laughs) it nice line (laughs) that's funny so just um, obviously your accent will tell us a little bit about you to start off with but why don't you just dive in and, and kind of give us the gist of what makes you tick.
1: Sure absolutely so yeah as you pointed out I'm my accent I'm from Ireland um born and raised in County Cork which is in the south of Ireland and uh made the move over to San Diego, where I live now, eight years ago. So, um, you know, growing up in Ireland back in the 80s and the 90s was a a ton of fun. Um, I think, you know, one of the things for me was I grew up in a household where my mum and father were very hard workers, great work ethic. So that kind of stuck with me throughout life. And I was big into sport and I always was a big dreamer. And I was always kind of looking to grow, I suppose, culturally in Ireland we're a little bit of a David versus Goliath mindset and that's kind of stood with me throughout my career and out my life uh, personally and professionally so making the move back in 2012 was a big decision but it was a lot of adventure Um, but it's been challenging as well but it's been really uh, gratifying and rewarding on so many levels.
0: What was the most challenging thing about it because I mean the weather is a vast improvement so that couldn't have been a problem. Yeah
1: absolutely I mean that's the thing Uh, You would think that an Irish person would be used to change because in Ireland we get four seasons in one day, one minute's raining, next it's (laughs) sunshine. But the biggest challenge was the change and it was uncomfortable from a point of view. Suddenly, you know, you spend maybe 80 percent of your life in another country and now you're over here for eight years. So, you know, you still have to establish yourself. You have to push yourself. So I was 35, not old, but, you know, you kind of a little bit settled in your ways and as much as it was an adventure it was challenging you're starting from scratch you know i'll give you a small example <laughs> you know i had a good credit rating in ireland but it's not recognized here so you you and your audience would know uh, about you know in america you got to get into debt to get into credit <laughs>
0: right i know it's it's kind of not uh, it doesn't make sense right i
1: mean yeah, yeah. and then just figuring out how things worked and making connections and i suppose being patient really was the whole thing you know Maybe I wanted everything the same as Ireland, you know, that familiarity and being rooted, but with better weather. And it's been a process. And now, eight years later, I mean, it's just fantastic. Um, Absolutely love living over here. Uh, Obviously, 2020 was a tough year for everybody. So that threw up a lot of things. You know, when you can't travel anywhere, but you certainly can't see your family back home, that really kind of hits at you. So, you know, please, God, I think the back half of this year will be much better for everybody and business in general. And people will feel like they have a bit more freedom. And maybe, maybe, you know, the old saying of life is for living will now be life is for traveling once everything's a bit better.
0: Yeah, I can't wait. (laughs) I'm ready. I started traveling again, I think, in September. I just couldn't I couldn't stand anymore.
1: Yeah, sure. You know, it is a little (laughs) claustrophobic and it's not natural. We're social creatures and we like to discover things, you know.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was hard just kind of trying to function in a completely different capacity than I'm used to functioning. And I think that that that's something that everybody understands, because we all had to make massive life shifts. Um,
1: absolutely. I think everybody's been affected at some level. Um, it can be an employment issue. It can be just a relationship issue, possibly, or it can be just that you feel a little bit isolated. And mental health is hugely important. I mean, Probably everybody went through the phase of you know Netflix and chill for the first month of the stay at home order. This is great; I get to spend yeah. time at home. But <laughs> you know what? You don't feel that you kind of earned it. You know, sitting down on the couch just watching TV all day long. Right. So
0: I know, I know. It can. It, it, actually too much free time is not a good thing. We know this. Idle hands get into trouble. Correct.
1: Correct. <laughs> See, we need a purpose.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what brought you? to the point where you were making such a big change. I mean, not even going to the East Coast, but going all the way over to San Diego. What was what <laughs> that about?
1: I suppose you couldn't get a further point away from, from Ireland, and I wasn't trying to get away from Ireland, but two things. When I was in college, I studied marketing, and a lot of my friends would have gone traveling for two and three months to America, but I was working you know, summer jobs, and I was always working, and I, I always loved America, what it stood for, what it still stands for. Um, of of opportunity and where you can just go and, and, you know, you get commended for trying things and you'll fail, but people will also give you a chance and you don't kind of get pigeonholed. So I missed out on that traveling piece. And then secondly, you know, I was working with Heineken in Ireland. So I was uh, working as a sales representative and I also worked as a retail development manager, managing a team of 12 people in the beer business. Absolutely loved it. And my Mm -hmm. wife and I got a bit of uh, time out and we did a little bit of traveling and we spent a lot of time on the West Coast. So we traveled pretty much California, Washington, Oregon, up into Vancouver and then came back to Seattle and then flew to Florida for a month. And then we went back to Ireland and we thought that, you know, that was a fantastic trip. How could we make a move if we were going to make a move? And a job came up with Heineken Mm -hmm. USA based in San Diego and managing one of the local distributors here, Crest Beverages, which is part of the Reyes Network, and a great group great group of people to work with. So we made the move. You know, We said we'd go for it. Um, I suppose moving sort of in a company that you're familiar with is helpful when you first move because you kind of understand the structures and the cultures and the values. And then suddenly getting into the beer business here was a great opportunity to cut my teeth here because... I would have been well known in Ireland, but beer business, while it's still a relationship game, it's just a little bit different in terms of the three-tier system and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. um when we made the move, you know, there was some excitement and definitely a great adventure. Um but again, as I said, challenging, but that's part of life, you know, you kind of get challenged and you overcome and you and you move forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that's cool. So how did you how did you get into the beer business? I mean, obviously. You know the Irish are known for their love of the beer, and <laughs> I've been to the I've been to the Guinness storehouse, and I've learned to pour the perfect, pour the perfect Guinness. But so how did how did this all come about? If you're studying marketing, because I I studied one thing in college too, and then ended up doing this. Sure. And there's not a whole lot of you know going back and forth. It was pretty close as communications degree in my undergrad, but marketing it comes in handy i know that in this business but how did how did that happen yeah
1: so when i came out of college my first job was working as a merchandiser for cadbury's which is a chocolate company um and that was unbelievable i loved it you know we've got the company car i got the cell phone and i had a a territory of my own and i really enjoyed the whole sales aspect of it and it was tough work you know merchandisers lots of respect to those men and women out there um, and that's taught me a valuable lesson too, starting at the ground level, I'll never walk past, you know, a, a pallet and not merchandise the shelves if, if one of my products or my brands is out of stock or it can be, you know, you can, you can fill the shelf a little bit better. So I learned so much in that role and I was ambitious. You know, I wanted to get into a customer facing role with a bit more responsibility. And um, I worked kind of my way up through that role with Cadbury's and then a job came up working in the the beer wine and spirits business with a local distributor, which got me into kind of that alcohol space and then when the job came with Heineken, you know um it, the brewery was based in Cork where I lived, so it was a high profile territory, mm-hmm. and that was a real step up for me and once I got in there, I had to learn my business very quickly. But the type of company it is, and the culture of the people was it was very inclusive rather than exclusive, so it was very welcoming, it was very collaborative and suddenly. There was great on the job training um, and it was a very open culture where you could ask a lot of questions. You know, when you start a job, you, you kind of want to say, you know what you're doing and you don't want to ask too many questions. But they, they empowered you yeah. to say, hey, how does that work? You know, can, can someone spend some time yeah. with me, you know, um, tell me and I'll forget. But if you show me, I'll remember forever. was kind of one of their sayings. And I loved it. It's, it's a great yeah. industry. It's very sociable. Um, you do run into a lot of great characters. And, you know, there's lots yeah. of tough conversations, too. You know, it's not always about saying yes to customers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we've all been. in. I, I think everybody can relate to that. Everybody's been in that position. We are like, just, I just have to say no. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to, but I really have yeah. to. Um, but uh, so what are you doing now? Yeah, so
1: I spent um, a bit of time working, as I said, with Heineken in, in San Diego. And I suppose, to be fair, it wasn't much different to what I was doing in Ireland. And, you know, having moved to America and being that just a little bit older, I felt I needed to accelerate my career and a job opportunity came up with Mike's Hard Lemonade. So that I was working as a key account manager for the Western States. Uh, and that was fantastic. I absolutely loved that, you know, sort of being the, the, the person, the point person, you know, instead sort of being the go between company and a key account where you're not talking to, you know, one store owner, you're talking to somebody who can make a decision for 300 stores. So everything from selling in new distribution to to managing the business to coming up with good marketing programs um, and making it happen with the distributor and the support of your field sales team. And that culminated in us launching White Claw in 2016. So Anthony, who owns uh, Mark Anthony Brands, which is Mike's Hard Lemonade, uh, had been working on White Claw for a number of years and decided to bring it forward in June 2016 as there was another competitor launching. And he wanted to launch in Southern California. So I was the key account manager in SoCal. So I was charged with getting that done, and which was kind of, you know, for your listeners, in June, it's not necessarily the right time of the year to launch a product. Retailers make decisions in spring and fall in terms of mixing up their mm-hmm. range of product and new innovation. But working with a couple of key retailers who I had very deep relationships with, and I suppose that's the consultant within me and the good partner that they trusted me to give me a meeting, first of all, But before the meeting, I managed to get samples to all the key players within those retail chains, create a little bit of buzz about the product, people sampling it. Um, Around that time, LaCroix, Perrier, they were very big in terms of sparkling water with flavor. And I suppose this was an extension of that, albeit with 5% alcohol, gluten-free, low carbs, low sugar. Um, And there was a change in consumer behavior. So we managed to launch it and we put a really great plan in place for June, July and August of... 2016 to sample it every weekend in the top 100 stores that where we could do wet sampling. So let liquid to lips. And we really managed Mm -hmm. it. And then come fall 2016, we had a lot of IRI scan data through the registers. Um, And we were able to build up a picture of why they should put it into their coolers for fall. So we got uh, 80% distribution. And then we used that as a proof source to go to other retailers within Southern California. And then fast forward to today, Seltzer in general, But White Claw is just on fire. Um, And again, it just shows no matter what you do, it's all about setting the foundation and getting the right foundation in place. Um, We got a lot of support. The distributor was on board early with us with a great field sales team. And and we really worked together collaboratively to to, to make that launch happen. And I made a move then to Boston Beer, who were looking for somebody to do the same thing with Truly Hard Seltzer, uh, this time at Mm Costco. And I made the move there. Christy, because Boston Beer had a fantastic defined training program internally um, to help me get to my next level in terms of negotiation, maybe leadership. Um, and I was very ambitious to try and improve my own skills as well. And I managed to launch with Costco as well, truly. So unfortunately, we locked White Claw out of <laughs> business there. But when I'm working with somebody, I'm in at 100%. And Boston Beer yeah. was great. Sam Adams is a fantastic, iconic brand. Um, and we did a lovely job there okay. and then I stepped away from the beer business I took a director role with, um, with uh, the largest soda company in the world if they're not the largest they're in the top two but I, I won't name them because unfortunately they got caught up in a restructure after six months so right now and last, most of last year I was taking some time out um, and I have uh, an 18 month old son who has been keeping me very busy but I feel very privileged yeah. <laughs> to have seen him take his first steps Uh, hear his first words. Oh,
0: that's cool.
1: And I wonder later in life, will I look back on this time and say, wow, that was incredible in terms of having that quality of time. So I have been doing a little bit of consultancy with a couple of local craft beer companies in San Diego and a couple of seltzer companies and just trying to help them structure their business, um, helping them to define their vision, uh, their values, and then how to go and actually win business with retailers because there is a process um, in making that happen. Uh, and you know i'm enjoying it Uh I may have a new opportunity in the next coming weeks so we'll see how that works out too well
0: thank good you luck. very much yeah. good luck i know it's yeah you don't i i have two boys they're eight okay. and six i missed the oldest ones i missed his first steps because i was on sure. the road the youngest one i missed his first word okay. yeah Uh, I was and it was like one of those things where my husband called me I was out of town for one night only and he's like Kelman just said his first word I'm (laughs) like no he's like it was Uh and I'm like ah and you never get that back I mean there's a I love all the you know you get a million moments you get uh, just a package full of precious every day but it's those, those key things as a parent that when you miss them, you know, they're gone. You can't, you can't yeah. get them back. So at least I got first words out of one of them and first steps out of the other, but I wish I would have gotten all of it, but you know, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, it's, uh, so, <laughs> so I'm glad that you had. Yeah.
1: I mean, like we, uh, Alfie was our fifth pregnancy. Unfortunately we lost the first four kids in the last number of years. So he's very precious. And, you know, I think that, um, that's part of me has always been very resilient, you know, being very positive. Like there's, there's false positivity, but there's also real positivity where you trust yourself that things will work out. And you just got to, you know, stay on your journey. And now that he's here, he's a, he's a great little character. And he's, you know, do you know what, he's teaching me a lot of things, which us as adults may forget. I look at him and I see him exploring everything. He has no fear. Um, he gets stuck into everything. He'll try everything new yeah. us as adults when we get a bit older we get a little bit cautious you know so I'm trying to trying to reinvent myself and be a little bit more courageous again like I used to be
0: right you mean like have we were raised <laughs> without bubble <bummer yet? laughs> wrap <laughs> we got hurt a lot as kids we did sure really of course yeah crap. I mean you're
1: expected to bump your head but there's <laughs> other things that we've probably done that were crazy you know
0: oh yeah us Gen Xers we're the last ones to like be left to our own devices <laughs> consistently this <laughs> part of our upbringing. It, and it's served us well as a generation, even if we are a small one. It's, it's served us well, because right now, you know, we're the ones leading the charge for what's what's happening next, and we're the bosses of the people coming behind us. And so it's kind of, you know, it's an interesting position to be in. But I'm, I'm grateful that world, and I always try to remind myself that um, my kids can go ride their bikes around the neighborhood by themselves, because I was doing it when I was younger than they are.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know. So, you you know, yeah.
0: And they're, I think they're probably smarter than I was.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's just getting the balance right. You know, you have to, you have to fall and get back up again, no matter what it is in life. So um, you got to make those mistakes, unfortunately.
0: Yeah so any um any any regrets anything you would go back and change or or do differently based on your experiences and yeah you know know if you
1: were to ask me something about that i would I couldn't pinpoint any big regret I think that um it would have been a regret had we not taken the chance to move, and I think at the time when we were making decision we we kind of felt that so again, trust yourself, go with your gut you know later in life i i would have known that that would have been a regret not to move to america and experience it um so when you kind of have a feeling about something you should try and do something about it i think there's lots of little elements along the way in the journey i think you know for me i've always been working on just being a little bit more self aware you know i think we're all busy we all get caught up in our own world but you got to remember other people are going through stuff too you know and i think as sales professionals we can be very we're extroverted we're outgoing we're we're aggressive in the right way in that we want to get stuff done and we want to move on to the next task. And I think that you've got to remember, too, that uh, you got to just stop and you got to just, you know, really be self-aware of how you impact other people. Um, and, and I've worked on that really well in terms of bringing people with you. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, sometimes the salespeople, we say yes, because we know we can get something done. But you've got to go back to, you know, people you work with in marketing and finance and you got to kind of sell internally and you've got to bring them with you on that journey. Uh, you know it's urgent to me but it might not be urgent to them so that's just being self-aware so um they were always learning really you know I'm sure there'll be something else that I need to work on and polish in the next few years too
0: yeah oh no life is a journey you're always learning something and I don't mind I don't mind making mistakes just because that's yeah something, I mean that's I, a new I, I've sat with that I'm Christy, and
1: I'm, I'm a great person um, for saying what if uh, I'll always ask that question so what if we tried this what if we went with this new package what if we had this program i kind of get tired of listening to well why didn't we think of that in a sales meeting when a competitor does it so if you can be a what if person perhaps you you, you know you'll um, you'll try out new things and, and and then you won't have regrets about not trying things
0: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely you you regret what what do what they say you regret hundred percent of the chances you don't take or something like that <laughs> I can't remember. There's so many great pearls of wisdom out there, and they all get trapped in my tiny little brain, and then they bounce off each other, and they never come out correctly. (laughs) Um, But um, I'm wondering if um, what I always ask people this because it kind of gives insight into the character and the and the personal journey of the person. But um, it's kind of a hard question to answer. But what would you want the listening audience to know about you?
1: I'd like people to know that, you know, Andrew is such a reliable person, you know, and they would always be there for somebody. Um, Very understanding and empathetic, but equally, you know, very driven. Um, Like if we're going to do something, we're going to do it to a very high standard and we're going to be professional. That doesn't necessarily mean that um, we won't have fun or anything, but we're going to complete something and we're going to get there together in a very high standard. Um, You know, I suppose you know, just kind of going a little bit backwards to answer your question as well. I had a really bad health scare when I was 18, 19 years of age. I had a heart issue um, to to bring down my heartbeat um, because I had a genetic condition, which I didn't know about. The the doctor had to uh, shock my heart, so I was clinically dead for a few seconds. So, you know, I flatlined, if that's the right term, and then, you know, they shocked my heart back into action. So from then on, I've always you know, that, that was a huge experience on, in my life. Um, and I've always thought about it that, you know, if you can do something in life, go for it, just to go back to what we spoke about, but I'm somebody who will always be open to everything. So, um, you know, be, be curious rather than being closed minded, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I always, I always, whenever I was like interviewing for a new job or something, um, and they get asked like, well, if you have no experience doing this, what makes you think that you'd be comfortable doing it? And I'm like, because mm-hmm. I've never had any experience mm-hmm. into any job I've ever taken prior to getting into it. And I've, I, I've said no. The first time I was promoted in my career, I turned it down. I was like, I, know, I didn't study marketing in college. I don't know anything about marketing. I feel like I would fall flat on sure. my face. I'm really good at being a newspaper reporter and an editor. And this is my, this is what I know I can do well. And I'd hate for you to kind of put me up for this position to kind of like lead this charge to start marketing on this okay. massive level when I don't have the background. And they're like, well, you don't understand. Sure. You do marketing every day. And you just don't know that that's what it is. And we created this job with you in mind so we want you to take it and i was like okay i'll take it and i was terrified (laughs) they started making fun of me and calling me the training junkie because i was working for the military and there's a ton Mm -hmm. of opportunities to constantly educate yourself millions and millions of training opportunities and i took every single course i could i could find i traveled they sent me all over uh germany and and into the u.s even to further my education in marketing, and um, so it was—it was huge. And I was like, "Yeah, make fun of me, call me a training junkie," but I admit it—I didn't know what I was doing when I started this. I, <laughs> so,
1: yeah, I suppose that's uh, okay. All I'm a training junkie, possibly from a bit of self-doubt, <laughs> but you know, I think uh, if you can, you know, the, the another saying is, you know, the water is great. Yeah. Just dive in and get in there and figure it out. You know, again, we mentioned earlier about asking questions exactly. if you don't know something i mean if i if i knew the answer i wouldn't be asking you so if people can just remember you know not everybody has the answers and somebody asking you a question it's okay you know? um it's funny like i i, I yeah i i found my i found myself to admit you, you know, don't know my jobs uh yeah. both in ireland and in america being very approachable and that's only because people have approached me and they'll say hey you know my second name is Fitzgerald, so everybody calls me fitzy but they'd say Fitzy, you know how does this work? I actually don't know, and I can't ask my manager and I said, mm-hmm. well, I, of course i will help you out, but you actually can't ask your manager, but it's just a confidence thing with people so I've I found that you know I find that mm-hmm. really gratifying that people would reach out to me and just ask you know because they know that they can trust me, and you know I won't steer them wrong too you know so
0: yeah i well, I actually worked with a woman in that role that every time I asked her a question, she was German, and so when I had a question about the German culture or the approach or events or whatever, she, I would, I would ask her, mm-hmm. she would give me an answer whether or not she knew. Sure. And uh. most of the time she was way off. <laughs> and I just like, I was like, okay, so I definitely want to be the kind of person that admits that I don't know something when I actually don't know, because that builds credibility. And so like now I had somebody send me an email this week and they were like, oh, can you help my friend? This is what they're looking for. And I was like, I would love to help as much as I possibly can help another, you know, female entrepreneur build her brand. Absolutely. However, I don't have experience in this field. And sure. I often find myself asking my former colleagues for favors. So just full disclosure, I'm like, I don't want to waste your time. And I certainly don't want you to think <laughs> that you'd have to pay me for anything either because I don't I love know it. what I'm doing in this area. <laughs> I'm learning too. Um but it's it's funny, and I like people appreciate that that level of honesty because there's nothing worse than somebody giving you the uh, wrong answer. Uh, yeah, of answer, course, it's, it's not yeah, genuine as well. Written one and stone you know, true. People see through that <laughs> you know? kind of stuff
1: now. It's all about you know being a little bit more open. Yeah. Um, and as you said, you gain yeah. credibility too.
0: Yeah, and people feel like you said people feel more comfortable coming to you and asking you for help because they sure. know that you're willing to admit when you need help yourself. Um, yeah. So that's a, that, was, that was a really good answer. I like it. Um, I, I always love the answer to that question because it's, it's never the same because it's so unique to the person. Um, but before we head off, I want to know. Sure. Yeah. So uh, LinkedIn um, tell us is how people where I hang reach out for you.
1: business. So you just find me under Andrew Fitzgerald. I think I have a title up there of senior national account manager and builder of brands and certified Cicerone. So always looking to make connections. And then on Twitter, I'm Andrew Fitzger 12.
0: Okay, cool. And I'll put your links in your bio too. So Thank people can much. just click and contact you directly. But this has been fun. I'm, I'm, I've am i enjoyed our our little conversation about your life's journey and I'm, uh, I'm hoping that we'll connect again uh, in, in our various career trajectories. Absolutely, and thank we'll you, Christy, for having me on. You know, point. I've been, as I said, a
1: long-time <laughs> listener, but I've been impressed, too, with your own journey, of which uh, I, I know about. So uh, you spoke openly with your own audience and, you know, in the first early episodes, so good for you, too, okay?
0: Oh, thank you so much. And thank you all for tuning in to Lawler Out Loud, Mixing Up the Mainstream. Excellent.